Hi, and welcome to the Writers Forum on WRBH. I'm David Benedetto, and today I will be speaking with author Jamie Attenberg, who is a New York Times bestselling author of seven books of fiction, including The Middle Steins and All Grown Up. She has contributed essays to the New York Times Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, The Sunday Times, and Longreads, among other publications. She lives in New Orleans, and her latest book is entitled All This Could Be Yours. Jamie, how's it going today? Hi. Thanks so much for joining us back in the studio. I'm always happy to be here. Well, thank you. Um, how is your New Orleans fall going so far? Well, I haven't been here very much because I've been on tour, which has kind of been um, bumming me out a little bit because today I walked a couple, I've been back for a couple days and I was walking, when I left it was still hot. Yeah. And then I came back and the dog has been like very excited to go for walks and really dragging me out the door. Whereas when it's hot out, he's kind of like a little bit lazier and more lethargic. And I, I'm leaving again in a couple of days, and I just, I wish I could stay here for this fall. It's so nice out right now. It's really beautiful, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you get a little bit of it, at least. Yeah, um, it's and gorgeous. And when we're recording this, you have your book launch coming up uh, today, right? Yes. The official day. Yes. And that's at Hotel Peter and Paul? Yes. Are you excited? Yes. It's with Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. We're doing a joint launch together. Nice. Have you read her book? I have not read the new one. I read the one before, though. It's so good. Well, they're both good, but the new one is is really good. Okay, cool. Um, so that's tonight, and then today I'm going over to Melba's Po' Boys because they're giving away 100 copies of my book. So sorry to anyone who's missed listening and missing that. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to eat some Po' Boys today for lunch. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited about all of it. It's been it's like my perfect New Orleans launch day. Well, beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you get that, and I'm really excited about the book itself. Um, all this could be yours. Um, I would love if you could tell me a little bit about the genesis of this book, how it kind of came to be in your head. So I had, um, I mean, I kind of always hear characters' voices in yeah. my head. So I did hear a character talking, um, a daughter talking in my head. I was driving to the air, driving home from the airport, dropping someone off from the airport, and then I heard this character talking in my head. And she was compl- she was talking about her father being sick and her mother being the secret keeper in the family, and she was saying it to, telling the story to like an uninterested family member. I didn't quite know who the family member was. I learned very quickly who she was. Um, and that's kind of how it started. Like, as with all my work, it's just somebody re- show, sort of showing me who all the characters are and what the stakes of all those characters are right away. And and then I just kind of roll with it after that. No, I think it's cool. And I really love how you structure this book around multiple characters in this family and also uh, periphery characters that come to light uh, around this this man, this patriarch who is dying, a man who's not a very good man at all. He's a bad man. He's a very bad man. Yes. Um, so I, I kind of liked it. I was thinking about like this inversion of As I Lay Dying, where instead of a matriarch who's been like... I don't know, I'm just given in her life, you have this patriarch who doesn't really get much of a voice except for a little bit, and all these people surrounding him kind of dealing with their traumas and their ways of being with him and and without him eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was not very interested in him. Yeah. I was really much more interested in the family members, and mostly in the beginning, it was I was only interested in writing from fe- different female family members' perspectives, but then as the book, I let the book do what the book wanted to do. Yeah. I set it up to have like a very flexible kind of structure so that any character that wanted to show up and say something could say something. Yeah. Um, but primarily it's female voices in the book, although there's there's a son, Gary, um, as well. Um, and I just, I was interested in knowing how they felt about him and I was interested in knowing the kind of impact that he'd had on them. And then I was interested in writing to a place of 
some sort of, I don't really believe in closure, but some sort of resolution where I learned, I personally knew more at the end. And so hopefully the reader would know more at the end as yeah. well um, about what, how this kind of person can impact us all generations of women and men. And uh, I just really wanted to um, figure out everybody's motivation. And I just, I mean, that's the thing is like for any book, I'm just, I have some questions that I'm chewing on, not necessarily about myself, but about the world. And then I use the book as a way to answer those questions. Not all questions can be answered, yeah. but at least you can think about it for a while. No, definitely. And I really love what you said about closure, about like, you know, that being kind of a hard concept for people. People don't get closure. They really don't. But how do you deal? I mean, you die. Yeah, you, you die. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The final closure. Yes. Um, but I, I think in your book, it's trying to find some sort of emotional release and some sort of like coping with that. And I, I really, um, personally, I, I really related to that, having had family situations similar to that and having people in my family, my mom in particular, going through something like that. Um, so I really appreciated the thoughts oh, going into that. Yeah, I have. It's been very interesting to put this book out and start it just. I'm, so it came out two weeks ago. Some people have already started reading it. I've done um, and obviously I did a bunch of interviews already, um, and it's so interesting to hear people's responses to it because I really wrote something that I wanted people to relate to yeah. and to discuss and for it to be part of, like, always for me, like, my writing is being a part of the cultural conversation. And so I'm just starting to hear people say this is... There's a character in this book that reminds me of my mother or my stepmother or this was my dad. Somebody last night was messaging with me and said, I, this guy is my dad. And I'm, you know, she was very appreciative that I'd written the book. And she said it was hard to read it, but it was for her. But also the way she, I mean, not to toot my own horn here, but she said that the way that it was written was like made it easy for her to read it. Yeah. Even as she was thinking about those things, because it's written in a... Um, in a very fluid fashion, it's a very readable book, and I do use humor a lot to kind of diffuse some some of the more intense situations. Yeah, no, I can imagine that. Um, what's your relationship to, you know, you sit here and you write this thing for years, and then you release it into the world, and then you have people that are taking their own interpretation, seeing themselves in new and interesting ways. Like, how, what does that feel like for you, like, when you get this your baby out there for the first time and you're like people are starting to recognize themselves in certain things well since this is my seventh book yeah i kind of have had this experience before um and are not kind of i've definitely had this experience before some books more than others but basically when i write the book it's mine yeah and with the first draft in particular like i hold it very it's a very special process to me and experience to me and it has become more valuable as time has gone on and i've been through this publishing process and so i accept that in a way like it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks i keep wanting to write about this feeling of i'm that i keep having where i where people ask me what it, what i meant when i wrote my book and i'm like it doesn't matter yeah. really what i meant when i wrote i mean it does to me but also, like, I create it and I offer it up to you. There's things that I want to have happen. I hope that will have happen. But I also know that I have zero control over anyone's interpretation of But people bring their, you bring your past with your mother to this book. That woman brought her past with her father to this book. You may be the kind of person that you don't want to deal with this shit at all. Books may not be the way that you want to deal with this. Books are may, maybe are the only way that you can deal with this kind of thing. So uh -huh. there's just a whole vast universe out there. And I think... Not just in America, because I've been published all over the world, I've had that experience too. It's been, I mean, and I have toured all over the world as well. Yeah. So I have had that experience of talking to people and seeing both people who are who don't get it at all, and then people who are in like tiny little 
towns in Italy who are like, this is my fam- family yeah. or this is me. And you just think how, because we're, you know, I mean, maybe Italy isn't like so vastly different than the U.S., but it's just amazing to me that um, books would just have like this magical power and they, they just kind of go out there and they do whatever they're going to do. So I don't, I try really hard not to be precious about it. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I do worry about reviews from the from like a business perspective, like I want like you know I want a good New York Times book review review. I would like, you know, um, I would like uh, any you know. Be, I was in People Magazine and I was very excited to be in People Magazine. So, but ultimately, it, it it's you know it will be about people talking about this book to each other, um, and and spreading the word in that way and being enthusiastic and wanting to ha- and wanting to talk about it. Um, and I am also like. Uh, this is I, I've been away for two weeks and now this is the first time I've been back to New Orleans. So I'm like a little nervous. Yeah. Cause it's my first book that's set in New Orleans. But I did go to a book club last night and the women in the book club said that they thought that I got all the New Orleans details right. So I was feeling okay about that. Okay. Um but it's there's all different kinds of audiences yeah. out there. I just try to write from a pure place and hope that the best can happen. Yeah, I think that's a good thing and I appreciate that idea of like Letting it out of the world is like this offering for people to take and with it. Because I know some artists, authors, they get a little bit more too precious with that. And they're like, no, the intent was there. If you don't see that, then you're wrong. And I love this idea of like making that offering, making it a community builder, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, my next book is actually going to be essays yeah? about me. So then I might feel a little bit more precious about it. Yeah, it's personal. It's personal. <laughs> that's that's you without the shield, right? But I'm, nervous, I'm, I'm nervous about that in a diff- for different reasons. But um yeah, for th- especially this kind of book, which has so many characters in it, so many access points, so many different. I mean, it's a really, it's a really great, ra- great way to write about America is to write about a family. Yeah, and um, so there's, there's just all these. I mean, it's, it's set here, and it is a New Orleans novel, but it, I think it's bigger than that. I think it's like an American novel too. Not that just writing a New Orleans novel wouldn't be big enough. Yes. I don't mean that, but I just think that <laughs> hopefully that it's like a story that. You don't have to live here to appreciate the yeah. story. And yeah. uh, as you mentioned before, you're trying to translate New Orleans in a really genuine way to people that are not from here in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, what were the details you were most nervous about getting, quote unquote, right? I mean, I just like had people read it for like there's a lot of natural elements. There's a lot of outdoors elements. So I sort of had people read for that. I have um, I did an interview with um a medical examiner here, and she sort of gave me some insights into some things in this. And I don't want to give too much away, but um, that was really fascinating. And I did go down to the morgue, um, and um, which I both recommend and don't recommend. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was glad I went down there, um, and uh, it was important to the book. Um, and I don't know. I just like you know where a character went to high school. I had to make sure I got that right. One of the women that I was talking to last night, like I, I mentioned the. Um, the World Trade Center, yeah. right, in the book. And then, like, right as I was doing the copy editing for the book, it was closed. It had been closed. And now they're re- they're trying to, like, restart it. But I don't think it was re- – when I started the book, it wasn't, like, being restarted yet. Yeah. And so at the last second at the copy edits, I was like, oh, God, they're going to rejuvenate it. i got to, like, put make sure – I was like, I'm going to get busted all over the place. And then last night in the book club, the woman was like, so glad that you like, got that detail right about the World Trade Center. And I was like, me too. Because I would not, I feel like everybody would have busted me on it. Yeah. I don't know why. It's such a small thing, but so I tried, I just tried really hard. But, you know, the the city is ever changing. So you can't, you sort of have to c- capture whatever. It's like a snapshot of right 
you know, I wrote it last summer, so it's yeah. a snapshot of last summer. It's not a snapshot of right now. It's, you know, that's a snapshot of, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's just like, it's a, it's just a, it's just a perfect moment in time. Yeah. And I think that that's really beautiful. And like one of the books I come back to about New Orleans, the probably the most is Unfathomable City. And I think it does a really good job of capturing New Orleans circa 2000, I guess it was 2013 or 14, like when that came out. But that's kind of the way you have to deal with a city that's constantly moving and constantly changing. Yeah, you can't. I mean, all cities really do, but you can't. Um, but this one in particular has a lot going on and you can't. Um, you just have to like let it make decisions and then let it go. Yeah. When you you have some books set in um, Chicago and New York as well, um, have when you represent cities in your novels like that, have you had have you had as much like uproarious feedback about you got this wrong or you got this right? I mean, I haven't gotten any yet. Yes, <laughs> because I did a really good job um, of asking people. So yes. hopefully, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, like in Chicago, I would get somebody. I somebody came to a reading once of mine just to point out some little detail that he thought I got <laughs> wrong. Um, and then, um, which me, I was like, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, in New York, they don't, I mean, first of all, I lived in New York for a long time, so I kind of like knew the, the streets that I was walking on. Um, although I did write historical fiction, but I did do a lot of due diligence on the historical fiction too, because yeah. um, it was based on a real person. Yeah. Um, no, but you do hear it, you do hear it, and you just think, God, do you have? Could you just? Why don't you write a book? Yeah, <laughs> use how you hard need it is. Some extra <laughs> use for your time. I don't know. Like, but mostly it's it's pretty, it's pretty good. In the olden days, meaning two thousand and six, which is when I first was publishing book, people would write you letters if they found it wasn't as email even. Yeah. And now people, and it definitely wasn't like Twitter, or Facebook, where like anyone will just snap at you and tweet at you and just not think twice about it. I mean, the manners of this world have have declined. Just quite a bit. You have know. declined. Um, and uh, people, there, there were people who would sit down and they would find one typo in your book and they would sit down and they would write a letter and they would mail it to you or your, pub you know, your publisher or your agent and you would get it and just think that took almost a respect. Do you know what I mean? A little bit of respect. Like they yeah. put the stamp on it. They walked it down to the mailbox, everything like that. But uh, I don't know. A subtweet is just like I just take it. Yeah. I just you have to just take it all in. So some, there was something like I did the other day where I had written, I'd been interviewed by something, um, and I linked to the wrong website, and I had posted, and the editor from the website said, "Oh, you linked to the wrong vertical, right?" Like <laughs> very nicely asked me to change it, and then I we were emailing back and forth, and we were kind of laughing about it, and then I said, "You know, Virginia Woolf never had to worry about linking to the wrong." <laughs> really it's just it's just like a whole layer i mean you can be the kind of writer who does who isn't online and isn't like doing a lot of press and who but i don't i do get so much out of communicating with people online yeah. and actually last night when i went to that this is so amazing i went to the book club last night and i had got invited because the woman knew me from twitter and then I walked into the restaurant. They were at Silk Road. And there were two other women in there who gasped when I walked in. And I was like, listen, I, this is not I, like they were like, I was like a rock star to them. And I was like, this never happens. And this is hilarious. But I went over and talked to the two women. And they were a mother and a daughter. And they had been, it was the woman's 50th birthday. And she had try, was trying to figure out where she was going to go on vacation with her mom. And then she said, we picked New Orleans in part because we, your book party 
and because she knows me from Twitter and she's a reader and she was like, you know, new stuff about my life that I put online and it was very warm and and friendly and not and not like just like normal. Like at this point, it's just normal. Every reading that I do, somebody that I know from online comes, you know, or maybe I don't know them, but they're really like lovely and happy to be there and excited to be there and it's really it's really sweet and i find it all very comforting because it's the internet it can be like a really hard place to be but i try really hard to put like good stuff out there yeah so that i don't know just to kind of combat a little bit yeah what's going on in the world you it's know? hard and you're, you're super visible on twitter and i know that and there are you have to deal with the deluge of both the good and the bad, and I'm glad that you're like being able to find like at least the positive in the real life and sometimes online. With I that. mean, I want to say that like I, I always curse myself when I say nobody really cares that much about me because I'm just like a middle aged lady, but like, uh, or, uh, but I most of the time they kind of leave me alone, but every so often somebody will get like there'll be like a little bit of thing against me or whatever, and I just think, oh god, really me? No, yeah. why? Oh, no. <laughs> why? <laughs> why me? Why? I'm trying so hard. I'm just and I'm just like posting pictures of my dog all the time, you yeah. know. But when you put your, you know, any kind of presence out there is, and you know, I have been since I've been publishing, putting books out every two years for the last fourteen years. It's not, there's not really any downtime for me. And I'm always putting out essays and I'm always like of some sort of public presence out there. So I'm not like, I'm like a vastly famous writer in any way, but I'm sort of diligently communicating with the world. Yeah. Does writing ground you? Yeah. It's like the only thing. It's like the best thing ever. I haven't been able to write in a while because I've been on the road and you sort of lose your, your brain turns to soup once you start promoting and you only just get into like the convert, that kind of conversation. Yeah. And you've become a little bit of a pleaser, too. And um, so I, I mean, next year I'll get to start writing again. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you get that. Thanks. <laughs> I miss it. <laughs> um, what character did you enjoy writing the most in this book? I mean, I kind of, I get something different out of all of them. Yeah. Like Alex to me was like, like kind of easy and I was glad she was there because I, she was, she knew everything. So I needed a character who knew everything. Barbara was like the challenge for me because and I get something out of writing Barbara because um, she was like the biggest problem for me to solve in a yeah. way. Even though I knew who she was, I had to like, there's things I had to reconcile with her, which I don't even know if I did reconcile, but at least I tried. Yeah. Um, I really, I don't want to give too much away about the book if I, people haven't read the book, but there's a character named Sharon who I really loved a lot for, I think when you read it for really obvious reasons. Um, she seems to be everyone's favorite character. Or a lot of people really liked her a lot. Um... I don't know. They all were. I liked all of all of them. Even like the smaller tertiary characters that just pop up for a paragraph or two. I have a, a fondness for. Yeah. I just like to write. Oh, that's good. And, and I loved your tertiary and the periphery characters because they didn't feel periphery. They felt like integral. And I think that's a really important yes. thing. You know. I mean, I never thought of them as tertiary, but that's like how everyone keeps saying it in the yeah. interview. So I'm like, all right, I guess that's sure. the term tertiary. <laughs> No, and I think that's really good because I see that there's a lot of, like, really great movies and films that make a point of making the tertiary or periphery just as important as the main characters. Um, Like, uh, who is it? Alfonso Cuaron. He's, like, one of his main storytelling mechanisms is to, like, go, like, pan things and give a storytelling of things that are happening outside of the main plot to realize and, like, ground people. Like, things are happening around this, too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I find it very... um, When you choose to write a book in a close third person, 
Um, that is helpful because then you can access so many characters. Whereas if you write a book that's just in first person, which was my last book, there is something that's really amazing about that because it's so authentic and powerful to have to stick with the same person the entire time. But I felt like I think writing this book was like a response to have, have chose, having chosen to write that other book in that way. And I was like, ooh, I want to do everything. Yeah. Like now I have like, you know, like let's dig in the toolbox and see and see what's in there. All right. Well, cool. Um, well, Jamie, I know you have a lot of really cool events coming up. Uh, this is going to air uh, initially on November 14th. And I know you have event an event tonight as well. I do. Should I say what my events are? Yes, please. Okay, I have an event at Dogfish Reading Series. On Thursday, 11, 14. Yes. Um, and then I have, um, and then it's Thanksgiving. Oh, no, but I, yeah. And then it will be Thanksgiving. And then Octa- Octavia Books on the 12th, the wonderful Octavia Books. And I'll be in conversation with Lady Hubbard. Nice. And then in the New Orleans Public Library, Mid-City is where we're doing it. Okay. Um, and that is going to be on the 16th in conversation with the wonderful Susan Larson. So either one of those events, all of those events are going to be really good and for, for different reasons. And then I'm reading with Roger Kamenetz, I think, uh, is who I'm reading with, a Dogfish okay. on the 14th. So um, they all are kind of cool. The Dogfish, I think, is just reading. Yeah. The um, Lady Hubbard is like she's a fellow writer. So that might be interesting yeah. and then um, for spe- specific reasons and then Susan Larson is just like so whatever delightful. who doesn't want to hang out with Susan Larson yeah no exactly like I get to see forever. her every Thursday which is really lovely oh, yeah. so yeah 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 right it's, it's just just wonderful yeah all right well awesome Jamie um, well to kind of wrap us up I am interested I know you're busy right now but um, I would love to hear if you're reading anything um, if there's anything you could recommend to our listeners well, I would recommend Margaret Wilkerson Sexton's book, yeah. The Revisioners, which is out today, and we are sharing our launch party tonight, and I just think her book is wonderful, and um, I also love, I mean, I'm just going to recommend the New Orleans books, and Sarah Broom, The Yellow House, which I'm sure anyone listening to this has probably already read, because it's just wonderful and potent and important, so go with those two ladies. You can't. I feel like you could buy all three of our books for the holiday season and give it to a loved one and they will be delighted. I think that's a good package deal. Yeah. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on in. Thanks. That was New Orleans-based author Jamie Addenberg. Her new novel is entitled All This Could Be Yours, and if you're listening on Thursday, November 14th, she has an event tonight at the Dogfish Reading Series at 7 p.m., reading with Roger Kamenetz. And that's our show. You've been listening to The Writer's Forum on WRBH 88.3 FM here in New Orleans. You can catch our show every Thursday at 3 p.m. and again on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. And all of our episodes after they air end up on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash WRBH Reading Radio, as well as on iTunes and Google Play. I'm David Benedetto. Until next time.